Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, cricket fan. What am I talking about? Hello, fans of everything that is good about life. Welcome to episode one of the Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast, in which I, Andy Zoltzman, comedian, cricket statistician, person who runs out of things to list after three entries, will tell you... You were supposed to say your name in that cap. ...what is happening in the most eagerly awaited Ashes series in a lifetime. The lifetime of a dog, but quite an old dog. Every morning of every match this summer, I will provide you with an oasis of statistical truth in this world of unremitting hogwash and tell the story of what might prove to be one of the most crushing, one of the most thrilling sporting contests in the history of the known and unknown universes. For those of you who have listened to my past Ashes series with the wonderful Felicity Ward, unbelievable and the Bugle Ashes Urncast, welcome back. Sadly, Felicity is too busy conquering the world of showbiz and or developing a time machine to go back in time and tell Don Bradman to watch the bloody ball in his final test innings. Bit harsh, but someone had to tell him. Hopefully, Felicity will join us at some point during this summer. In the meantime, I will unleash hell. Stats. Sorry, stats. Always getting those two mixed up. I'm here in Birmingham on the morning of the start of the 2023 Ashes. The action will begin in just a few hours' time. Will the fearless England of Ben Stokes be able to impose their pyrotechnic batting and almost surrealist invention in the field on Australia's World Test Champion team? Will Australia's perfectly balanced attack discombobulate the flaying England blades? Will Steve Smith be at his spirit-crushing, physics-defying best? Will David Warner give the crowd what they want, himself edging to slip off Stuart Broad for two? Can England surf the confidence of winning 11, nearly 12 out of 13 tests? Pick away at the baggy green doubts and insecurities as the Australians ponder that the last time they won a series in England was so long ago that Jimmy Anderson wasn't even playing. 2001. I have the answers to all of those questions in this envelope. But I've been told I can't open it until the end of July, so I'm afraid you'll have to wait and we'll just have to guess. 
The anticipation has been growing like a tantrum in a former Prime Minister's brain. In other words, for a long time, but accelerating rapidly in recent days to the point where it's barely controllable anymore. This could be one of the great contests we've seen in cricket history, or England might collapse repeatedly in a heap against an elite bowling attack a step up from what they've faced in the last few months. It might develop into one of those fluctuating, undulating narrative epics that make Test cricket at its best the undisputed greatest invention in human history, or we might end up watching Smith and Labuschagne bat for weeks and weeks and weeks before Crawley snicks off first ball to Cummins for the 28th innings in a row. It could be a tussle that pits not only some of the finest cricketers of the modern era against each other, but which thrusts cricketing philosophies into an elemental tussle for supremacy. Or it might rain for six weeks. The possibilities are infinite, uh, give or take. And to prove how infinite those possibilities almost are, I've run my usual 20,000 pre-Ashes computer simulations to show how a series might pan out. Now, last time we had the Ashes in Australia 18 months ago, 19,998 of my 20,000 pre-series simulations came out with Australia winning easily. One of the other two was a malfunction caused by me spilling a glass of vegan iguana blood on my laptop, don't ask, and the other involved an unexpected simulated nuclear war. None of them had Rory Burns waddling off towards nowhere in particular whilst the first ball of the series was busy javelining towards his leg stump, admittedly, and none of them had the final ball of the series being missed by Ollie Robinson while he was so far from the ball that technically his left foot was in the departure lounge of Hobart Airport. So the technology isn't flawless yet. This time, however, my laptop has crunched the numbers and said, well, frankly, anything could happen, and it will almost certainly be good and fascinating in some way or another. Of course, over the last year, the natural, hard-won and carefully nourished pessimism of the England cricket van has taken an absolute battering, as Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum's team have conflagrated cricketing convention. They've scored at 4.8 per over, smashing the admittedly unnoticed record for fastest run rate over a 13-test sequence. By over 17%, it was previously 4.1. That is equivalent to Bob Beeman jumping clean out of the Olympic Stadium in Mexico City in 1968, if I may exaggerate why to make an essentially valid point. But for me, it's almost in the field that they've been more interesting and impressive. They've bowled their opponents out in not one, not two, but 25 consecutive innings. If I've crunched the numbers right, and i crunched numbers at least 32 times before swallowing them, so I do hope that I have, this is the joint third largest number of consecutive all-outs achieved by a bowling team in Test cricket since the 19th century. England had 26 consecutive all-outs as a bowling team in the late 1970s. Australia had 33 before Dravid and Laxman brought that sequence to a malefic and flabbergasting halt at Kolkata in 2001, and South Africa bowled their opponents out in 25 consecutive innings in 2017 and 18. And that is the kind of information you can only get by listening to the Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast throughout this summer's Ashes, uh, or by listening to Test Match Special, where I'll, I'll probably do stats like these as well. But you heard it here first! unless you're listening to this after I've done it on the radio, as sometimes happens with podcasts. Anyway, the point is England's bowling and Stokes's remorseless, relentless invention in the field has been quite extraordinary in the last year. Can they keep it up? Maybe. Will their batting continue to fire? Also, maybe. So let's have a look now at the key players. Who are the key players in this series? Well, the answer to that is simple. Uh, all of them. Uh, it's cricket. It's a big key ring with lots of keys on it. But which key is the key key? How key might that prove to be? And who is holding all of those keys? I am ruling England boss Rob Key out of this, or this entire paragraph is going to get out of control. 
So where to start? I guess the easiest way is to start with the oldest player. Uh, and as Jimmy Anderson enters what I think we can all now say is probably the second half of his England career, his numbers have astonishingly been getting even better over the past year. He did seem, this time last year, to have stopped taking second innings wickets. He'd had 14 in 21 second innings from November 2018 until the start of last summer, age unquestionably catching up finally with the great man. Since then, he's taken 20 second innings wickets in nine innings at an average of 18, age told very much where to stick itself. He had, before the start of last summer, stopped taking wickets in his opening spells, just three for 176 across 17 opening spells in the year before Stokes and McCullum took over, and all of those three were in one spell against India at Headingley two summers ago. Age clearly taking its toll, those ageing Andersonian joints taking time to crank into action each innings. But in, in the last year, 13 for 174 in 19 first spells of innings. Age is not even a number, it's an imposter, a mirage, a hoax. It is fake time. Anderson is nearly 41 now, traditionally the age where fast bowlers start getting too old for commentary and are mostly put out to stud to breed the next generation. Sorry, that's not public domain, is it? But if Anderson bowls England to victory, I think we can happily wrap up all human civilization and say there is nothing more to be done. If I had to pick out one more key player for England, and I, and I don't, but I will, uh, I'd go with Johnny Bairstow. Personally, I would have kept Ben Folks in the team purely because watching the ball sink mellifluously into the Surrey glove man's paws is one of the finest sights in modern cricket, like seeing a black belt midwife deliver a fine porcelain baby rhinoceros that has been birthed out of the window of a passing helicopter. But despite my repeated strongly worded letters to the ICC, you don't score runs for artistic impression. That said, Folks's batting has been really influential uh, for England since Stokes took over. He, I mean, he doesn't bat, admittedly, like he's trying to hack a dragon to pieces, which goes against the prevailing grain, but for me, this is a risky non-selection. And it also asked Bairstow to bat in a different position and do a different job compared with what he was doing in the first half of last year when he constructed one of the most extraordinary sequences of innings by any England player ever. Six centuries in a seven-month blink of an eye, big eye, slow blink, five of them scored with England deep in the mire, three or four down for not very many. He'd only scored six hundreds in his career before that in 79 tests. He hadn't passed six in 19 matches over three years. It was a truly astonishing return to form. If Bairstow can bat that well, whilst also keeping and coming in lower down the order, he will win the Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast's inaugural impressive ability to keep doing something well despite circumstances having changed award. Something to go on his glittering mantelpiece. For Australia, well, it's quite hard to pick a key player. They have the current top three ranked test batters, one of the all-time great fast bowlers, a high-grade spinner, a left-arm pacer who might be a little vulnerable but who statistically makes all the other Australian fast bowlers do better, a shiny-pated seamer who's had one of the best-ever starts to a test career and has a very glinty head, a potential world-leading all-rounder, a keeper becoming more and more of a force in test cricket, and, of course, perhaps most importantly, magic caps that imbue the wearer with the mysterious force of baggy greenness. In summary... I'm very excited, and I don't know what's going to happen. And both of those are good things for a cricket fan. And as if that wasn't enough, there's the women's Ashes starting next week as well, with England attempting to dethrone one of the most dominant international teams of any sport at any time since the dinosaurs won the first BBL, being big lizards, for millions of years in a row. The Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast will be coming to you every day during this Ashes, apart from days when there isn't any cricket. I will bring you my stat of the day, occasional quiz questions, maybe the odd Q&A with you, the listener, uh, archive footage and exclusive punditry from the ex-players that other broadcasts will not touch. Because they're dead. 
but with the Bugle Ouija board, we will hear from some of the early stars of Ashes cricket, 19th century legends like Fred the Demon Spofforth and W.G. Grace, if we can find the money, of course, plus politically questionable multi-sport maestro C.B. Fry and Australia's 1921 skipper Warwick the Big Ship Armstrong. I said ship. You can hear me as part of the BBC Radio commentary on Test Match Special, where I will be dispensing pure, unadulterated numerical factivativeness throughout the summer. And, of course, we will have all the highlights from the players' press conferences. And, in fact, we finish our series preview with the questions I asked to Ben Stokes and Pat Cummins ahead of the Edgebaston Test. Thank you very much for listening. Do tune in throughout the rest of what could be a sensational Ashes. Uh, ben, Andy Zaltzman, Bugle Ashes Zaltzcast. Uh, th- there's always a lot of talk about the sledging, the on-field chat during an Ashes series. Is there any truth in the rumours that England might not use any nouns, prepositions, adjectives, conjunctions or even adverbs out on the field this summer to try to confuse the Australians linguistically? You know, it's not something that we're going in with a certain game plan around using verbs against Australia. Okay, thanks for clearing that up. Now, now Ben, I know you like to prepare for leading the side by putting yourself in the position of an early 19th century military commander about to confront Napoleon. How would you say you're feeling ahead of the Edgebaston test compared to, say, if you were just about to fight the Battle of Waterloo? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel in a better place than Wellington. And one final question, Ben. You try to keep your team grounded by reminding them of how fleeting things can be, with reference in particular to a former... Prime Minister, and you're trying to keep that going through the series, are you? So that was sort of the biggest thing that I wanted to, to sort of try and do, is just keep that trust factor. Uh, Pat, Andy Zaltzman, Bugle Ashes, Zaltzcast. I understand that as a pre-series team bonding exercise, uh, the Australian squad are putting on a production of a musical based on the hit TV series Stranger Things, but you found casting for the role played in the TV series by Millie Bobby Brown particularly difficult. So what are you doing about that? Yeah, just weighing up. Um, yeah, just the different options, really. Um, you know, the big difference from last week is Joshy Hazelwood's back available. So, just some conversations to be had around. Um, yeah, who we think the best eleven for this first one is. Uh, and Pat, I know you are very, very excited about me doing another Ashes-based podcast series. There's just been so much talk about it for the last eighteen months, really, since the last one finished. So, yeah, we're pumped that it's here. Um, you know, 2019 was an amazing series, and as soon as one finishes, one series finishes, you're already looking forward to the next one. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 